Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. How's it going, Grump? Oh, it's not going bad. We got a lot for you today. We're going to talk running backs. We're going to talk safeties. Let's start with safeties. What what, what, What are you thinking? So... We'll start with the projected starters on uh, on the roster. We have Landon Collins absolutely starting at more of that strong safety role um, after a Pro Bowl season in his second year. Pretty good. And um, free safety, I'm going to pencil in Darian Thompson, the third-round pick from last year, to play free safety. But notice I'll say pencil in there. Um, a lot of people were really high on him. He looked really good in the spring and – early on but he got injured very early and there's not a lot of pro tape on him uh there was a lot of bust potential with him uh coming from boise state i'm not ready to pen him in as the you know the highest tier tandem of safeties in the league yet and i think some people are yeah i mean it's way too early to say that i mean you know go back to landing collins for a second i mean nobody expected that jump from first year to second year i mean were some people even saying after his rookie year that he was kind of a bust? I think that they had – I don't know about busts, but maybe that he had been drafted too high because he was stuck in that in-the-box role. And that I think particularly people pointed to the Patriots game where the Giants had lost after having the lead with something crazy like under two minutes left or in the fourth quarter. And Tom Brady threw it right to him and he dropped it. And, uh, of course, the Patriots went on to score. The Giants lost. And it was one of those however many games the Giants lost in the last couple minutes. <laughs> How many games are in a season? 16? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I think I think the, the stereotype that he had coming out of Alabama was that he was going to be an in-the-box safety and that he was limited to that role. Last year, I think that... He has shown that while he can't be a full-time free safety, his ability to play both roles allows them to move things around, disguise blitzes, blitzes etc. Like I said, he shouldn't be a full-time free safety, but he can play it. And, I mean, he had quite a number of picks last year. At one point, I believe he was leading the team in both interceptions and sacks. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also a problem of having much better talent in front of you and behind you too that you can you can do that where you're trying to do too many things you know especially as a rookie where you're swimming now all of a sudden you have a legitimate pass rush you can stop the run and you got some lockdown corners behind you so sure yeah you, know, you could do your job better not to worry about trying to you know cover up for other things i think there's also a learning curve i think there's a lot of uh sure absolutely uh, adjusting to nfl speed a new defense uh i think just the second year in spagnolo's system as a whole for the defense was really important guys returning kind of they had the the foundation ready they were ready to kind of click on all cylinders that always helps but that being said andrew adams played pretty valiantly you know for what was it like 14 games last year mm-hmm. that i mean that's a that's a draft steal right there being undrafted and playing the starting role and not being a total liability he had some gaffes but if you go back two years ago he probably would have been the best starter we had thinking yeah. back to Craig Dahl. <laughs> Again, you know, people are going to blast a guy like Jerry Reese for, you know, oh, his draft class. Well, I don't think uh, unrestricted free agent counts as your draft class and, you know, the contributions he gave 
certainly you know strengthens that whole group collectively. I think Jerry Reese is a pretty good track record of getting the most out of undrafted guys. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the criticism he gets is like, oh, the second round pick doesn't pan out or something. But yeah. if you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, and you know the I, I I like to call them like the day four draft. The guys the guys are actually drafted or even pickups after cutdown day too. Yeah, set a pretty good track record of you know. Again, you're not going to get a pro bowler out of that, but you're going to get you know somewhere it's going to fill some depth you know filling in a spot down the road so sure i think andrew adams has a legitimate chance to be the starter next year um he's got far more experience than darian thompson does he doesn't have the center field skill set that darian thompson does but you know i'm pretty comfortable with the three of them being that three safety rotation whereas last year we had leon hall playing a lot of the free safety role i think you can probably sub darian thompson into that role and it's an upgrade. Slow, right yeah, yeah. And slowly adjust the two of them. Maybe Darian Thompson will overtake Andrew Adams. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Some other notables. Nat Burhey is a guy I super, super liked. I love the way he plays. Um, mm-hmm. Huge injury concern, though. Uh, at this point, he has not played a full season at all. I don't think cumulatively he's played 16 games yet through three years. Yeah. That's an issue with this whole unit, pretty much. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you're talking about guys like, other than Landon Collins, everybody has that big injury question mark about who's going to get one game or injured reserve out of them. So, sure. With Nat Burhe, I'm a little bit more concerned because he had a lingering concussion issue last year. For a guy that young to already have a lingering concussion issue, uh, I, I don't know. I, I really hate to say it because I like him so much as a player, but. I, I hope that his career is not coming to a close already. Like I said, I love the way he plays. I think he can rotate into being a center fielder, but mostly just comes flying in out of nowhere to make hits. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else that finishes a tackle like he does on no. the team. And then the only other real notable guy on the team for safety would be Michael Thompson, the fifth-round pick from two years ago. I don't believe he's played a snap. He's been on IR two years in a row, I think. There you go. That continues that theme. Yeah. But all these guys, you know, they're all second-year guys, third-year guys. They're all very, very young. Yeah, so. it's true. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Giants would, would not feel comfortable with these guys. I mean, sure, they've invested a lot, right? A second-round pick that they traded up for for Landon Collins. A third-round pick in Darian Thompson. Nat Burhey was a sixth-round pick. Michael Thompson was a fifth-round pick. And, you know, Andrew Adams was undrafted, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that they're ready to give up on Nat Burhey. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they don't have full confidence in Darian Thompson. There are some safeties out there that if they slipped, there's a chance that they'll, they'll pull the trigger on them. That's the decision that has to be made, you know, on these guys on the injury front is, you know, do we want to be preemptive and try to and draft another guy or are they going to want to go to the scrap heap after cutdown day. And the talent that's on the defense is a whole lot different than it was last year, the year before, where they may just willing to roll the dice and see what happens if anybody gets hurt and then pick up a guy. You know, I don't think you're going to see a huge glaring hole if they have to, if they get another safety that way as opposed to a rookie throwing back there. So my, my gut feeling is they're going to wait. Yeah, uh, I, I'll agree with that. But I, I also do think that if if somebody really good starts to slip – the temptation to pull the trigger to keep three healthy, good safeties on the roster might be there. Um, well, that goes that goes back to our discussion last week, where this team is now in a position to bet to draft the best possible player as opposed to needs. Absolutely. And and if somebody falls and they're like high on their board, you're right. They may just you know surprise people and take 
you know, a safety in the third round that you thought, well, maybe they were going to wait till the fifth or sixth round. And you're right. It's all about best available talent. Sure. I mean, do I think that a safety is going to be drafted this year? No, I don't. I'm 90% sure of that. But like I said, if the, the way the draft falls, you never know. Starting at the top of the draft class, you've got two really strong safeties with Malik Hooker from Ohio State, who's a true free safety with excellent range and speed, and Jamal Adams from LSU, who's also an excellent strong safety. He has the speed and athleticism to give deep help and play man, but is is incredibly physical running downhill to hit and play in the run game. Uh, I'm sure you saw a lot of Jamal Adams watching SEC football last year. Yeah, he's a beast. I mean, you're right about the speed and just... He just... He, he, he fills the line of scrimmage up so fast out of nowhere. And, you know, LSU and Florida are two teams that they call – they're fighting for this mythical title called DBU, you know, defensive back university. And, you know, they collectively put their cornerbacks and their safeties in that group. And, you know, when you see these guys coming out of the Florida uh, – the LSUs and the Floridas, you know these guys are just badasses. And, you know, they keep recycling, you know, or just keep regrowing every year, safeties and safeties and corners. So this guy's right in that mold. Sure, and and to their credit, Ohio State is in the discussion for DBU also with Eli Apple coming out of there and Marshawn Lattimore this year and Malik Hooker coming out this year. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State Ohio State and Alabama are head and shoulders, I'd say, above every other school for recruiting just talent. You know, five-star guys up and down the roster. You know, they, they reload every year. It's like you see like an Eli Apple gone, their secondary gets better next year. It, it's amazing. So, you know, there's lots of schools that are, you know, top five, top ten, but those are the two schools that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And and both of those guys honestly should go in the top ten. There is, since we're on the subject of DBU, there's a safety coming out of Florida. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Marcus May? Marcus May is a guy that, you know, there was some discussion whether he was going to come out or not this year, and I thought for a second he might actually stay, but he did pull the trigger and leave. A fantastic secondary last year. You're going to see three guys going to be drafted probably, you know, now that the decision was made, he's going to go. He's been rising up depth um, mock drafts and stuff, and he might be, you know, close to a first-round pick. What, what have you been hearing about him? You, you follow the mocks more than I do. I, I do. Uh, Marcus May is a guy who has been going up the chain like you said he was not particularly high right away just because safety is generally not drafted in the first round if there is it's usually one guy or two guys but he has slowly been rising up um he's a a free safety which there tend to be less and less of coming out of college you tend to find more and more strong safeties come out but true free safeties there, there are less and less of them so they become a hotter commodity they move up and like you said, he came out of a, a great defensive backfield with Quincy Wilson and Tease Tabor. Uh, and overall, a good defense. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good tape for Marcus May, and he didn't, he didn't screw up at the Combine or his pro day. So Yeah, Florida guys, especially in the secondary, seem to rise, with the exception of Vernon Hargraves, who did, fell a little bit in the draft last year. But a lot of these guys put on great performances in Indianapolis, and they, they have a big pro day, and, and a lot of these guys do rise after that as well. So if he's someone that, you know, if we're looking for a safety and if, you know, like you said before, if he happens to fall a little bit, I'd be more than happy to have him as part of our, our, uh, our secondary. Sure. And and he's one of the guys that would say he, he's been rising up mock drafts, but I mean, that has a lot to do with the media and stuff like that. Scouts don't play by those rules. A lot of times guys don't rise too much between 
Indianapolis and now. And even then, scouts take Indianapolis with a grain of salt because, you know, guys train for the combine. Exactly. And it's like training. For, it's like studying for the SAT. You're trying to study for the, the questions more than actually the knowledge. And, right. And especially for a guy like May, who's been playing against SEC quality for three years. Sure. You know, has, has played against Michigan in a bowl game, and he's played against Bama a couple times and stuff. The, the tape is out there of what he can and can't do, not if he can gain an extra, you know, half an inch on a vertical or, yeah. or a shuttle run or something. Exactly. There's one player that a lot of people – really want the Giants to take a look at, uh, mainly because he's a New Jersey guy, but also because he's a versatile guy, uh, Jabril Peppers from Michigan. Um, he's kind of that strong safety linebacker hybrid. And in actuality, he played all over the field. He played offense, too, uh, for Michigan. That I don't see happening in the NFL. However, no. his versatility allows him to sort of be that weird will linebacker slash third safety slash strong safety slash slot corner um he's just one of those guys who just is a he's an athlete he know he just is natural athlete he he knows how to play each position he knows how to do his job he knows how to get to the ball and he's always around the ball um, i don't know i mean to me a guy like that you know jack of all trades master of none in college you know that doesn't translate to the nfl as much as i think it sounds it sounds great to have a utility player who can do all these different things but the nfl is such a higher skill set than college that you know i i i think that versatility would be pretty limited in the nfl i think he needs to pick, find a position and stick with it i'm gonna agree with you there uh i don't think that there's too many guys who have had success with that and i think those that did were already sort of solidified into one position more than others. Whereas with him, I don't think he really is. I think he's just sort of all over the field. Um, and I think also that versatility of his is actually one of his drawbacks in that he tends to try to do too much. Uh, if, if you watch his tape, it, you know, he sometimes over pursues, covers the wrong gap. Um, and I think that has a little bit to do with him just playing all over the field and also mm -hmm. remember he's going to be in a much more complicated defense in the nfl no matter where it is he goes to be able to learn multiple positions in that defense is asking a lot of a guy who is only 511 213 it's a little short right so the first thing the first thing you said about him was his versatility and play many positions well if you take away his you know, signature is calling card, then what do you got? You know, so not saying he's not a great athlete or anything, but the appeal for him in the draw, that's a lot of that's taken away. And the fact he's from Jersey means nothing to me. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, you know, people just read the back page of the New York Post to get their draft analysis. That's what they see. So, yeah, and I can guarantee the Giants don't care either. <laughs> they better not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's one other guy I want to talk about because I feel that he may take a slip in the draft. And if he does, he's a guy the Giants should give real consideration to. Pac-12 Washington safety Buda Baker is, in my opinion, one of the most talented safeties I've ever seen. His big knock is his size. He's only 5'10", 195, incredibly light. But mm. he is – he reminds me – of Earl Thomas in some ways. And I would love to have Earl Thomas on this team. So, But, I mean, you're talking about a natural free safety with unrivaled instincts in this draft class. He has excellent speed, great leaping ability, and, in my opinion, the best ball skills of anybody in this draft class. Um, he makes quick decisions, which is, you know, 
it comes down to instincts and knowing the defense. He tackles with good form despite his size. He's absolutely excellent in man coverage, if that's what you ask him to do. He's great in zone coverage as well. And he has the range and instinct to give deep help. Um, His instincts and speed also help him blitz really well because he just comes flying off corners and through gaps. Um, And he, he recognizes things immediately and flies to the ball. Him needing to add weight, I'm not too concerned about because most of these guys need to add a little weight. If he winds up being a lighter guy in the NFL, I don't think it's going to be the most detrimental thing. And somebody like Earl Thomas has shown it's not everything to have size in this league. So I understand. So he's dropping because they just realized of his size. I mean, don't they have? No, he he's no. not <laughs> dropping. He's he's ranked pretty. I, I, I let me say this: if he were six one and two oh six like Malik Hooker is, he would be in the top five in my opinion. If you watch the tape on him. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He's 5'10", 195. So he's already lower. And you know how these things go. There's a run on a certain position. And guys like this who should probably go in the second round start to fall because of that run. And if he's sitting there, say, at the end of the third round, it's – I mean it's a travesty because this guy deserves to be a first-round pick in my opinion. But he's – I'm, I'm, I'm just saying he's a name to look out for. Um, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, look up the tape for Buda Baker. He's an incredible safety and in any other draft class would be in the first round in my opinion. All right. So we got safety covered. Let's, uh, let's go on the other side of the ball and talk running back. Yeah, and this is going to be a position that I think most Giants fans are much more interested in anyway. So if we're, if we're banking off of last year, our projected starters this year are Paul Perkins, who had a, a good year last year, came on more towards the end, which everybody expected because well, he had let's a define, late start. Let's hold on for a sec. Let's define a good year relative to the rest of the garbage that was on the roster. You know, he had that, – that last game he had 100 and something yards in the – He had one 100 – he had one 100-yard game. 100-yard game. But did he, you know, just watching, going back after the fact, taking the emotion out and watching the tape on him, what did you see from him that said, this guy is a an everyday, every-down back? You know, I'm not sure that I want to call him an every-down back, but I'm also not sure that the Giants offense calls for an every-down back. But what I did see that I liked is his ability to make things happen on his own which is something that, first of all, with this offensive line, we desperately need. And second <laughs> of all, we don't have on anyone else on this roster. He knows or didn't how- last year even. No. Guys that we got rid of. <laughs> Jeez, man. I, I can't think of a guy we've had since Ahmad Bradshaw that was able to make things happen on his own. Um, <laughs> there were other pluses. I mean, he, he picked up the blocking pretty quickly um, for a guy who, who came into – you know, the OTAs and stuff late because of UCLA and trimesters or whatever. Um, <laughs> he wasn't pregnant. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they Instead of semesters, they have right. three trimesters, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he wasn't at OTAs, the rookie OTAs. He wasn't allowed to be. He came from behind already. And I think traditionally the Giants are a little bit hesitant to put rookie running backs back there just, you know, because in blocking situations, you don't want them getting Eli killed. Um, and he had a fumble early on, too, like one of his first carries. He did, but what I was going to say next was that he didn't fumble often. Um, right. He actually was pretty good at protecting the ball. So there were a lot of things that I liked well, here's about the thing. him. Here's the thing about that is this was last year in Tom Coughlin. He fumbles that first time or whatever. You don't see him again until November. Yep. And I, I, I think the you know, the opportunity to go back and play right away after that was, you know, under McAdoo was definitely to his advantage because you might have wasted his entire first year. Absolutely. You know, under under Coughlin rules where it's like you fumble, forget it, you're done. 
Sure. So I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Paul Perkins had an amazing year last year, but there is hope here. I mean, this guy, I think, is a bona fide starter. I think he can split reps with anybody. Could he get yeah, better th- and be a workhorse? He could, maybe. I think he's a rotational back. I mean, I don't think he's a feature back. I don't think he's a, you know, if we ever had to go to like, you know, 25 carries a game, I don't think he's your guy, but he's definitely someone who could be part of a rotation. Sure. I agree. Uh, Shane Vereen has one year left on his contract. He had a rough year with injuries last year with a torn triceps. And I'm going to make a theory here. I think the Giants kind of knew something was up with Shane Vereen early on with keeping Bobby Rainey on the roster because I thought for sure he had a terrible preseason and managed to stick on the roster. And I didn't understand that at the time. But it was early on that Shane Vereen tore his triceps and Bobby Rainey immediately came in as the undoubted new starter. I'm not sure what to expect from Shane Vereen this year. I'm hoping it's the Shane Vereen from two years ago. What do you think? I don't think Shane Vereen's on the opening day roster. Really? Interesting. I I think he's one of those guys, you know, there's always a couple of cuts every, you know, when you get down to 53 and you're like, oh, that's surprising. I think he's going to be one of those guys. I I think, again, obviously this depends on what we do in the draft and what shakes loose some other cuts as well. But I just have a feeling that he's not going to make the roster. It's very interesting. It very well could be. Um, I believe I talked about this last week. But uh, the Giants signed Sean Drone from San Francisco, and I thought, you know, this was like another guy that was like a Bobby Rainey replacement. He was going to be the backup third down back, but I was much more impressed with him and the tape I saw of him, in my opinion, on one of the worst teams in the league. And just just the way he played, I I liked the way he caught the ball in the backfield, immediately turned around upfield. He has good speed. I think uh, I think you might be right. If Shane Vereen's gone, Sean Drone might play a bigger role in the offense. He may, you know, first of all, he may make the team. How about that? Start there, right? And and also, you know, I know he renegotiated in the off season, but I'm sure Drone's cap number is a lot less than uh, than Shane Vereen's. Yep. So it's another reason why I, I think he might get the gate. Sure. And the or only- I think actually I, I think he will get the gate. Not he might get the gate. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And again, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the preseason. It's gonna depend on the draft. It's gonna depend on a lot of things. Obviously, injuries. Um, the only other guy worth talking about that's currently on the roster is Orleans Darqua. Um, this is probably his last chance to stick on this roster. <laughs> I, I refer to Orleans Darqua as being jury duty hot, hmm. where when you have nothing else, and then all of a sudden you see something after a while, you're like, hmm, not too bad. Orleans Darqua is jury duty hot. Yeah, um, like. He he would be the starter in case of absolute total travesty injuries, but otherwise would be <laughs> that's the, not a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, but I mean he's a solid special teams player. He may he may get a shirt throughout the year, you know. And that's he, not enough for me. <laughs> no, it's not enough. But it's not enough. But I mean, somebody on the team is going to be a special teams only player, right? Besides kicker, punter, long snapper. But there's there's going to be a couple guys who, yeah, sure they have a native position, but they've stuck because of their special teams. I think that's helped him out in the past, and he's come in because of injuries, but really had made the team through special teams. That may happen again this year. Um, if aren't he had, we saying, aren't it, we saying Dwayne Harris is kind of that special teams only guy since he's really never uh, lining up as a wide receiver last year, and probably won't this year. Dwayne Harris, uh, I don't want to get too far into him until we get into right. wide receivers. We'll talk about wide receivers, but, but I, that I, to me is kind of that's that guy. Just remember that Dwayne Harris was a guy who, when Jerry signed him to the monster contract and everybody wanted to hang him, they had said that they saw him as more, as, more than just a returner. Um, and that year played a pretty significant role in the offense. 
Or what about last year? But last year, Tom Coughlin was no longer the head coach, and Dwayne Harris did not play a significant role in the offense. He came in in spurts. I think he still had a touchdown. And, and where is he going to play this year now that we have Brandon Marshall? And I don't you know, think uh, he's going to play much on offense at all. Um, he may come in in a gimmick end around situation, maybe, or just be a decoy, or you know, somewhere in there just to take the top off the defense. But well, 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 well my point. I mean, actually, the way I was going with it was this: this guy is your special teams only guy. And I'm not trying to. Oh uh, no, no, no! I see what I'm you're not, saying. I'm not trying to say get rid of get rid of Harris off the roster. I'm saying if you're going to allocate one guy who's your special teams guy, that's your guy. Where I don't think Orleans Darkwa they're going to keep to be that guy. I suppose I, I still think that there's usually I don't think they'll keep him for that reason, but you know his ability to be a capable backup at running back, but really sticking because of special teams. I mean, it, it happens all the time. This I still think is Orleans Darkwa's last shot at the roster uh, before he becomes another journeyman. Regardless, with that being the case, with Sean Drone being a somewhat of an unknown, Shane Vereen we think may be a cut. Orleans Darkwa we think may be a cut. The that's Giants, pretty, the that's Giants thin. To, yeah, the Giants need to add a running back. Um, and this draft class is loaded with them. It's very top-heavy for sure. And we know how the devaluation of running backs in the first round goes, that there very well could be somebody, one of those top three, could sneak down to us. I think just the fact that there's so many, uh, you're getting a quality back no matter what at 23. If that's what you're aiming for, a running back in the first round, I think there's going to be a quality running back available if that's what you want. I know you've gotten a good look at the top two, so I want to know what you think of Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, both of these guys are potential Pro Bowl quality. Uh, the issue with both of them, well, the issue for both of them is injuries. Dalvin Cook has had a shoulder issue for a while. He's missed probably in the last two years, four games maybe, four or five games. Same with Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette is one of these guys, almost kind of like a one and done in college basketball, where everybody knew he was going to be in the NFL when he was a junior in high school. And he kind of just, it seemed on the surface he was going through the motions playing in college. Yeah, he'd have that 280-yard game against an old Miss, but didn't play in the Florida game last year. When he could have played, but their season was over. They already were out of it for the SEC West. Um, Leonard Fournette is that guy who, he reminds me of Adrian Peterson, the way he runs. And I could definitely see a team like the Raiders drafting him, for sure, since they were kind of kicking the tires on Peterson. Dalvin Cook is... You know, and I hate to say this because I hate Florida State people and I this guy's got, you know, moral and character issues as well as some injury issues. I think he's actually a better fit for our offense and what we're trying to do. You know, he's slippery. He's got amazing acceleration, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He could do a lot of things. Um, you know, again, the injury factor is up there and the fact that this guy has been on, in trouble before off the off the field and, you know, I just don't trust guys from Florida State, so that's that's my personal take. But talent-wise, the guy is probably the most talented running back I've seen play Florida in the last 10 years. Him and Fournette, really. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you on that one. I, I know you were you were touting a lot more Fournette than Cook throughout the college year, and that may have been a little bit of bias talking to me. But um, I had watched the both of them, and from – my perspective, it looked like Dalvin Cook was more of a fit for our offense. But they're not all that different in a lot of ways. Uh, they both have home run speed. I could say that. Um, they both use speed to hit the hole hard and break tackles. More Dalvin Cook than Leonard Fournette since Leonard 
since Fournette has the size at six yeah. feet two forty, he can sort of barrel over guys, but he doesn't because he has freakish quickness and that and agility. It's his mm. jump cut is absolutely lethal. And, and he, I think also I also think he played at ninety percent speed the entire time he was at LSU because again I think he had NFL written all over his you know that was his goal. I mean that was what he was playing for. So I I think now that he's going to be in the NFL, I think you'll see a little different attitude out of him and heart as he's playing. Um, but he's definitely more of a guy, I think, if you're going to say, you know, out of the I formation, have him run 25 times and get his 160 a game, 150. But that's not exactly what we're trying to do. So. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with that. And I'm gonna, Before I get off uh, on the one last point I want to make on Devin Cook, I want to put this out there. A lot of people have been saying that we need this power back to complement Paul Perkins. I don't really agree with that. The Giants don't run that offense anymore with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. This is a different team. This is a different offense. Think more of Atlanta's offense where you have two versatile backs with speed out of the backfield who can catch the ball. And quite frankly, who who the hell is Paul Perkins? We're not building our offense around Paul Perkins. If we get a better version, we get a better version of Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins will be the understudy. I mean, this is not a situation where we had – like. Ahmad Bradshaw before and we're working around him or we had Tiki Barber and we're working around him. This is Paul Perkins. It's a one-year guy who, again, you know, I don't want to use the same term again, but, you know, a little bit a little bit of jury duty hot. Yeah. You uh, know, he's he's adequate, but I'm not going to I'm not going to change my needs because of him. I just think this this idea that the Giants need to have this power back and scat back is is a throwback to the time when the Giants had a good running team. It was a totally different offense with Kevin Gilbride. That's not Listen, what we're running anymore. You um, see Giant fans all the time, whether on the train to the Meadowlands or sitting around us. They all think it's 1986. They all want Mark Bavaro. They all want you know Phil Sims. Every team, every time they see something, they hearken back to that five-year period in Giant history where they try to put all of these round pegs into the square holes of those glory teams. And you're right. This is not at all the giant offense of the the late 80s, early 90s. It's not even the offense of, you know, the Kerry Collins years. It's just completely different. Uh, it's completely different than the Giants have ever had. Uh, you know, the defense is starting to look more and more like those glory year defenses. But, you know, when you hear the typical Giant fan say, oh, we need to have a thunder and lightning. Why? Because we had thunder and lightning nine years ago for two years. I mean, look at what we are and what we're trying to do and not try to, you know, don't be a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just need to get that out there because I've been seeing that more and more on Twitter and in mailbags to beat writers and stuff like that. People need to move on. This is the offense that we have built. We need to add the pieces for that offense or it's just not going to work. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, go call Andre Williams and ask him how he's doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, my last point about Dalvin Cook, though, is that he has one more flaw that Leonard Fournette really doesn't have, and it's ball security issues. And that may be related to his shoulder injury, but whether it is or it isn't, it is something to be concerned about, and it is on tape a lot. And sometimes it happens when no one's even uh, defending him. I think it happened in that uh, national in the uh, playoff semifinal a couple of years ago against Oregon, where he just fumbled for no just reason. Squirted out. You know, that might be, you know, you're more the technical guy than I am. Is that, you know, the way, he, you know, is he a an early type of Tiki Barber who had to learn how to hold the ball better to, for more ball security? Or, you know, when you're that when you're that physically gifted over guys in college, you kind of get a little sloppy and your technique isn't as important. When you get to the NFL, you better be technically sound. Yeah, I think it just might be a little bit of ambition, you know, getting ahead of yourself, losing your fundamentals. 
maybe not 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 as much practice, you know, where it needs to be. I'm not really sure what it is. There's a popular running back that is often mocked to the Giants, um, and it has a lot to do with their position in the draft. It's Christian McCaffrey. Um, this is a guy who's 5'11 at a Stanford. He's incredibly shifty. Uh, in fact, he reminds me a lot of LaShawn McCoy in the way he runs. He also has home run speed. He he He's a little bit light um, at 5'11 and 202. A little bit light. Not, not incredibly, but he tends to break his tackles more with jump cuts and spin moves and he's he's very good at them um and he's able to turn on his his turbo speed pretty quickly um the most impressive thing about him is aside from being incredibly intelligent he can catch the ball so fluidly out of the backfield that he can line up at slot if you want he can even line it up out wide which they did at stanford this guy can do just about everything on offense um as far as being an offensive weapon is concerned he has great vision. Here's a trait that neither Fournette or Cook have. In fact, it's the exact opposite of the traits they have. This guy's a leader in the locker room, whereas Fournette, you said, is kind of phoning it in a little bit. He knew he was going to the NFL. Dalvin Cook had some off-the-field issues. This guy's the exact opposite of that. What's your take on McCaffrey? That's nice, having that kind of versatility. Is that what this offense needs, though? I mean, again, remember the issues we had in the red zone, the you know the third and one problems we had, and we know a lot of that's offensive line, too. Is he that guy who's going to you know, get the one. I guess the first question is, what type of running back are we trying to get? I mean, do we want a thunder or a lightning? Do we want a guy who's versatile who can line up and you know as a fourth or fifth receiver if we need it? I don't know. My take with guys like him, when you play in the Pac-12, you are not playing the quality of defense that you know uh, a Leonard Fournette did in the SEC or Dalvin Cook did, and even and I can't believe I'm saying this in the ACC. You know, hey, Clemson has a great defense. I will. I'm, I'll. I'm not going to give that one up. And Wake Forest does as well, and NC State does as well. All I'm saying is that Clemson has a top five defense, in my opinion. Okay. Last year. Last year. So. Okay. But it's, it's my nothing point to, is to, to look away from. That's all. Go on. Right. But my 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 point being though is that you're on week in and week out when you're playing some of the dregs of the Pac-12. I mean, it's like it's like throwing on air and running against you know tackling dummies. So. I personally want a running back again in a perfect universe for what we're trying to do. I think a Dalvin Cook would probably be slightly better than Fournette. I, I don't think McCaffrey is the the physical guy of a guy that would, would fit us best. I'm going to agree with you. I don't think that McCaffrey in most systems in the NFL is going to be incredibly effective, um, mainly because he's really light. I don't know how much running back he's really going to be able to play. Right, and we at don't need another. First year. We don't yeah. need a hybrid guy. We need a we need a running back. If, if he can catch out of the backfield, fantastic. But we need a running back who can who can run the ball and who can pass block. I, I picture you know, Christian McCaffrey. Can a lighter guy pass block as well as – and that's the other thing too you have to realize when you have – when you're talking a guys like a Dalvin Cook and a Fournette, can they block? Sure. That's a very big – you know, especially in the NFL where, you know, you need your running backs to pass block. You know, I, I don't – you know, when you're a stud star running back in college – you're not going to be run blocking as much as you're going to be called upon in the NFL to do it. So, um, in the case of Fournette and Cook, I'll say Fournette is a great blocker. He's solid in the in the pocket. I've seen plenty of tape on that. Dalvin Cook is a little. He's only two ten, um, and you can see it. He could stand to add some strength, but he's a willing blocker. He gets in the way. He knows where to be, how to take the right angle, holds off guys for just long enough. Christian McCaffrey did get pushed around. In the Pac-12, because he's only 202. Yeah. I mean, 202, you're only about 20 pounds heavier than me. 
take that for what it's You're worth. You're kind of a big rope, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, there, there's another SEC running back that I really like, and he comes from a school that I know you love, Alvin Kamara oh, Tennessee? out of Tennessee. I love him. I love the way he runs. You know, it's interesting that he's a guy whose stock is going up because, remember, he was sharing a lot of time in the backfield with, with Jalen Hurd yep. before he uh, quit and, and went off to wherever he went to. I mean, just think of the uh, – again, a lot of you guys listening to this and, you know, if anybody is actually listening to this, <laughs> um, you know, don't probably watch as much SEC as I do. But the amount of talent that Tennessee had on that team and to underachieve the way they did is quite an indictment on that whole program. I think I mean, a lot of have, that has to do with the coach. Have, well, absolutely, yeah. Um, but, you know, they have two running backs that are potential, you know, could be first-round picks. They have a quarterback who should be drafted. I, th- I think he'll make a roster somewhere. Sure. Um, you know, and, and the fact that they couldn't even, you know, weren't even the best team in their state is quite an indictment. But <laughs> he, <laughs> Vanderbilt beat him, so. Uh, I, I think Kamara, he's a good running back. He's, he's uh, deceptively quick. You know, he doesn't look like it, but he is. Um, you know, I don't know if he's first-round material. I mean, he might be one of these guys that could be, a, you know, a second or third-round pick. One of those guys who could drop where, you know, it's too good to pass up. It's actually funny. You wrote, you, you said exactly what I wrote in my notes. I wrote deceptive speed and elusive in open space. I, I agree. I think in a, in a normal draft with a normal running back class, he would be a borderline first-round pick. Uh Probably even around 23 would be where he'd be mocked a lot. I think because there's so many running backs in this draft, he's probably more likely to be around there when the Giants are picking in the second round, and that wouldn't be a bad place for him. And you asked before, what kind of running back are we looking for? I think this is the guy. He's a one-cut slasher. He's not dancing around a lot, but he will make a cut to make people miss, and then he'll hit the hole. He's He's got great quickness. He's got deceptive speed, like I said. He's a natural pass catcher with soft hands. Um, and he's an intelligent and effective blocker. Uh, I think this is the kind of guy that we're looking for. He's not dancing around a lot, but he does make people miss. He catches the ball well. He blocks. And he's fast. I mean, I, I think that's really what we're looking for. Yeah, this is an offensive line you can't be dancing because if you're in Dancing with the Stars on this team, you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> if, you, if you – the slightest little nook or cranny in the in – the, in the line, you got to take it and hit it hard. Man, so. you went right after Rashad Jennings with that joke. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, there's another guy who's climbing up boards and is being mocked to the Giants a lot. I'm not going to talk about him too much because I don't see it. It's Deontay Foreman from Texas. Um, I don't know how much you know about him. I watched the Red River rivalry. That was about it for Texas. I don't watch crappy teams. I watched <laughs> enough crap with the Gators in the last couple of years. So, <laughs> um, This is a guy who shot up boards because of his pro day was incredible. Um, and I get it. Which but... is always a red flag for me when one event or one play or one, all of a sudden you're shooting up because you jumped an inch higher than they thought you were or your bicep was an inch longer or whatever nonsensical reason. I think players have tape and, and scouts look at tape, you know, two years, three years. So I always have a red flag when I see that. I think my biggest knock on him, and this is a big guy. He's almost as big as Leonard Fournette. He's six feet, 233. It's a pretty big guy. Um, this is a guy who's fast, but not quick. Um, he can bounce runs outside. At least he did in college. I don't know that that's going to work in the NFL. He just doesn't have that agility, that, that quickness. I think, I don't know. I see Andre Williams when I look at him, to be honest with you. 
And and people said that he was a good pass catcher out of the backfield. I think he only had seven catches last year. I think this myth of Deontay Foreman being the guy that we want suddenly is well, that, just that. That, that, also could, that also could be a product of the, the offense that he was in, too. He only had seven catches, but maybe, you know, they only threw to him seven times or eight times. You know, So don't don't look at stats as much in college as a true indicator of NFL potential. Because Lord knows I've seen plenty of guys come through Florida, for example, like guys like Deontay Thompson, where, you know, 25 catches and all of a sudden I see him in the league and it's like, what? You know, they're seeing things that we don't see. So I I wouldn't get too wrapped up in in how many catches or how many yards. I suppose. I I just, you know, like like you said, he's a guy who's shooting up and I, I see it as a red flag more than anything else. Yeah. Um, there's there's one other guy that I like a lot. There's actually two other guys I really like a lot. Um, the first is Marlon Mack from USF. Um, he's another guy who's a one-cut slasher. Um, he hits the hole with speed. This guy actually has home run speed. I'm not really sure what the knock on him is. In my review of him, the most I've seen that was a big uh, knock on him was that he tries to do too much sometimes and like reverse the field, which is something you never want to see. But mm-hmm. other than that, I, I mean, you tell the guy, don't do that. And I think you've got <laughs> like a third round pick right there. I honestly, I, you know, I try to avoid USF like I can. So <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I can give you an opinion on him. I'm not exactly sure how far up on the board running back is with the Giants. What kind of a priority if they're going to, you know, if one of the big guys isn't there, are they going to start fishing for guys like him? So I, I don't know. I. Again, I, I think it's gonna be one of those things. We're gonna take we're gonna take a running back if one of the guys we really like falls more. And I think us saying that's our number one need. So I think when you start getting into the second and third tier of running back, I think we might just kind of look for other needs that we have and you know throughout the roster. I think it's interesting. I actually think that the Giants will not pick a running back high unless somebody incredible falls. Like if Dalvin Cook is sliding for some stupid reason, I think they. They'd be hard pressed to say no to him. That's what I think. That's that's what I mean. If you know those guys we've identified as our first tier running backs, if for some reason, for whatever reason, there's a run on receivers or a run on somebody else, and just the the stock in, in running backs falls down, you know, you know, there's interesting some teams that like like the Raiders, for example, who or the Cowboys, who would reach for a, a running back when maybe it's not ready. They're going to be drafting behind us this year, so. You you might see running backs falling a little bit just because of the teams ahead of us that are drafting. Interesting, I had not considered that. As far as now though, I think the Giants. I think I mean we outlined the the projected roster. It's not incredibly blooming with talent right now. It's not a strength on this team, and I think it is a need. I think right now the Giants are not placing the need in the first second round range unless somebody's falling i think they are looking at guys like marlon mack james connor who's another one i really i really like out of pittsburgh i think that's really where they're they're looking to kind of get the guys that fell only because this draft class is so ridiculous with running backs normally would be much higher now they're getting a quality guy much later they don't have to invest as much into it um i think that's really where they're looking do you think this team will ever see a fullback again in the near future? I think if I, I think you're going to have an H back. I think you're going to have a guy who can line up at fullback and be effective, but also you could audible and split him out as a tight end. 
I think I think Rhett Ellison is really what you're looking at. A true fullback. I don't think this year. Maybe. Maybe in the future. If for whatever reason Ben McAdoo is giving up his play calling duties or he's altering the offense. As he likes to say, never say never. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, that's something we will definitely talk about in a future episode is Ben McAdoo and play calling. You know, is is being an offensive coordinator and now even a second year head coach too much for him, for example, you know, you know, having that huge, huge New Jersey diner size playbook in his hand, you know, menu size playbook in his hand. Is it too much for him to, to handle? I, and I'm sure that that one will be a rager where we are talking about that for all 30 minutes of the episode. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that at all. Um, so I don't want to get too far into that right now, but. But that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this week with uh, running backs and safeties. Uh, We'll see you all next week. I am the Football Grump. You can reach me on Twitter at at football underscore grump. Um, You can hit us up uh, through email with justgiantspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at justgiantspod. You can find me at the Cranky Fan on Twitter. And now that Rays baseball season has started, I am at my utmost crankiness. So... I can attest please to that. Feel, please feel free, all you Yankee and Met fans who want to crack on my lowly rays, and you, you will be hit back very severely by me. <laughs> he doesn't pull punches. Nope. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Just Giants, Giants. podcast saying go Giants. Go Giants.